welcome back to episode 5 of the LI894 Organization of Information Seminar podcast. I'm your host, Michael Wittersheim. Thank you for joining me. I'd just like to take a moment to review where we are, how we got here, what we've covered so far. Uh, In some of the earlier episodes, we talked about the mind and Imagine the mind as, uh, as an organ, it seeks out harmony, concord, uh, but it also senses discord. And when we encounter something that's discordant with our understanding, we um, gradually fall into this problem-solving process to figure out what's going on. And we start using our the different inference muscles we have to to build some new knowledge where there wasn't knowledge there. Um, We also talked about in an earlier episode our kind of researcher stance, a different approach to knowledge and learning and problem solving, and I is trying to encourage uh, people to be kind of loose with their uh, beliefs, kind of, you know, willing to try new ideas on and also willing to, you know, uh, let things go that aren't working. And that's really what just learning is is it's just always trying to get the best piece of information, the the best model available, letting go of what isn't working. That's what learning is, and it's that flexibility. Um, and you might have heard the term neural plasticity. You know, I don't know exactly what that means, but I think that kind of gets across the idea here is when we are engaging in this problem-solving process, we're always learning. We're always going to be taking on new knowledge, changing what we had, changing our mind, um, and we talked about knowledge as being inherently uh, in flux. You know, I'm not like a Heraclitus here, but I will say this, I think, is a more comfortable idea of knowledge for me to think about it as always changing instead of always static and, and being comfortable with that. I think that just really alleviates so much uh, misunderstanding about, you know, what it is that we're doing as, as researchers and as, and as people. Um, we, uh, we talked about the research problem and, and what it means to find one, what they look like, how to describe them, uh, that process of kind of gradually, you know, the horizon, you know, coming up and, and we're gradually being able to see what that problem is. You know, at first it's not like an effable articulable thing but you can you know gradually figure it out and and describe it Um, and that's really necessary before moving on in the research because it really sets up the rest of the project and you are now going to have a rationale for your questions you're going to have a much better grasp of, of where you're headed now having tackled the problem part we also talked about research questions and types of knowledge and I told you that I think there's three main categories of knowledge the descriptive explanatory strategic I really think this is an important thing to know and understand and again there's another author Blakey I believe who's written uh, on research methods and I think he has the same idea and I think this is right that you really need to uh, do the description description first then explanation and then you can go to strategy 
Um, and just knowing that, it just clears up a lot of confusion and it gives you a much better idea of, of where to aim. Because when, like I said, when you're asking a question at the beginning of a research project, you're really setting your goalpost. You're setting up your endpoint at that point. You are declaring that this is what you want to be able to know. This is what you want to be able to state by the end of your project. You're, you are choosing that. You're choosing your destination, like where it is that you want to end up. Um, now, is it set in stone from the beginning? No, like this is, you can always tinker with this as you go, but just so you know, this ha there has to be an alignment between all of these elements of your project, the problem, the question, the results, the method, they all have to fit together, hang together. What you're setting up, when you state your question, your alignment through the methods into the results, that straight arrow, that logical alignment between those elements, you are, you're setting that up, you're setting your direction. Um, so we've talked about research questions. Now we are at the methods stage of things. Here is where it gets interesting. Up until this point, we've really only been setting the stage. We've really only been getting our bearings, really trying to understand where you are in the literature, where you are uh, like as like an area of study where you are in your understanding of this area uh, who the main players are there what the controversy or problem is what the the gap or confusion is you're clearly able to state what that is and you've decided on the type of thing that you want to be able to say at the end you've stated your question and you kind of have a sense of, are you aiming for more descriptive knowledge, more explanatory knowledge, strategic knowledge, and you know what you need to do to get those, each of those, that they build on what, one another. So you've thought about that. So now you're at the methods. Here's where it re you really need to get imaginative because you have your starting point where you are, and you have your destination, you know, that question you've asked, you've kind of set down your goalposts there. How are you going to get there? You need to be able to think and imagine how are you going to bridge that? Imagine you're, imagine you're standing uh, at a river, okay? You need to somehow build a bridge across a server. Well, what I think is you need to do here is there's not just one of you, there's two of you. You have to kind of build the bridge at the, from one side of the bank, one bank to the other from both sides at the same time and meet each other, meet your other self in the middle of this river. Uh, and you might not know exactly where the other person is going to end up or if it's going to match. It's going to be probably a disaster, but like that's the only thing you have to go on because what you're doing here, you're really taking your best guess. You're taking a swing at something. It's impossible to know whether it's going to work. And I'll tell you, 
at this point, it is going to be a trial and error process. Now, the degree of uncertainty, of course, is you know wildly variable from one project to another like sometimes if you the researcher if you've walked this path before you've done this method you know the results that you want to get you've you kind of know what that looks like getting there you've walked it before it's there's not going to be a lot of surprises but imagine you're starting out as a new researcher you've never walked this path or any other path before and now you're expected to, you know, create your own dissertation, your own study, your own set of methods, your own pathway. You're expected to create that. Well, how do you know what to do? Well, this is where, I mean, experience counts for a lot here. But your imagination also counts for a lot. And you can imagine your starting point, what types of materials you think there should be, what types of data you think there should be, and imagine a way to get that and create some kind of data for that. Now I say data. <clears throat> In any kind of problem solving situation, what you are doing is you are bringing in some kind of outside information to bear on the circumstance so that you can see things in a new way and see some kind of solution, some impasse, some, you know, resolution to that conflict that was there. In the humanities, different areas, it's you, you use different authors, different texts, you know, have different methods. Library science, where we are, education, that kind of field is more of a social science field. The information you bring to bear on the problem is going to be in the form of data of some kind. And uh, the collection, the analysis of data, uh, and the data is, it could be from something that uh, is already there, some kind of data set that you analyze and draw conclusions from, um, or it, you know, it's often going to be data that you create yourself through some kind of instrumentation, through some kind of um, data collection process that, uh, you know, it could, it's, you know, probably been an established method that you are applying to a new area, what you're doing. Um, it could also be something that you create. This, uh, this stage of the project, it, there's a lot of opportunity for, um, you know, innovation and creativity because you're creating the pathway to create the type of knowledge that you want to see. Uh, a lot of those decisions are up to you. Um, and, and, and your own beliefs about what types of knowledge matter and are good and are valuable, that all comes into play here, you get to make those decisions. So what is what is it that's actually going on here when you are creating methods? What are research methods? And I mentioned that, it, you know, it's just a guess. It's like your best guess. But what it is, is I think research methods, you need to think of it as a hypothesis. Okay, so what is a hypothesis? A hypothesis comes from a thesis. And a thesis is how I understand a thesis is really just your working knowledge of everything right now. Like that is your thesis. Um, now my, imagine if I'm making research methods, my thesis at the moment is I'm gonna have to have some kind of idea, some kind of thought or conjecture about how it is I need to answer this question 
that I've now posed, there needs to be some kind of source material, some kind of resource, some way to, to get at this question, how do I do that? That is going to be my thesis. Okay, the hypothesis comes in when you, uh, you test that out and you, um, you create the hypothesis deductively from your thesis. Suppose, uh, you know, I want to study the public sphere um, and I know, you know, these committee members, they had meetings. I am supposing that those meeting minutes are somewhere and that I can obtain them. And uh, my, my thesis is if I call around, I'm going to be able to find these and determine where they are and maybe access them. And that's, that's something that, that actually happened. That's a true story. And that's just an example of the type of thought process that you kind of need to go through sometimes when you're at this stage, it's more kind of like tracking down clues, kind of like imagine what you would think of as a criminal investigator doing, like imagining some scenario, some circumstance, and then kind of like checking it out. Um, as a, a researcher, that's, you might do that a lot, like just kind of hunting things down, uh, like hanging out places, like asking questions of people, like you're going to be you might be billed as kind of a weirdo because you're going to be asking these questions, hanging out in weird spots, looking at things differently than other people do. You're collecting data. You're looking for different things, different ways to approach a problem uh, from a different angle to get information about it so that you can solve it. That's going to be your method. Now, you need to be able to formalize that and walk people through it so be very thoughtful about it and from the beginning document everything you're doing. If you're searching for things, what are your search terms? What are you searching for and where? Um, and what were your results? You know, Where did you find things? Document everything, record everything, know everything about where you got it. Know if you needed to cite this stuff that you're finding or whatever, how, what information would you need to do that? Know that up front collect all the information you need at the end, know that up front, collect it up front so that you don't have to go refine it and, you know, figure out where you got it. So I mentioned that methods are a hypothesis. A hypothesis, right, it's an unknown. It's something that, uh, you know, it's only based on the, the security of the thesis. And this thesis that you have, that you, the working idea, the working thesis you have about finding data, about you know creating a methodology, you know that could be wrong. You're using induction and abduction here to create this thesis, and those are not necessarily true. Like they don't get you a necessarily true result. So uh, you're going to be basing your method and your perceived approach, your pathway on. Uh, what you found in your literature review when you're researching the, the research problem, what kind of methods did people use in this field to address these types of questions, what types of methods have been used in other areas to create this type of knowledge that you're creating. Look at how other people used methods to create the type of knowledge that you want. How did they do that? And kind of work backwards. How could you do that in your approach with these this population, these uh, types of materials that you have access to at this time, how could you bring that to bear? And, and be creative about it. 
um, because there's no single solution. Uh, and you can create the type of knowledge, the type of res results that you think are the best. This is your opportunity to do that. Because in the end, this uh, knowledge that you're creating, it's going to be part of your argument. That is, this is your argument to adopt, you know, whatever it is in the end you think we should know differently about this area that you've singled out, that you've focused on. What type of knowledge is going to be moving, is going to be compelling? At this point, it's always good to have in mind your sharpest critics. Um, have them become kind of part of you and part of your mind. What are they going to say about these methods that you've chosen? Are these going to be compelling to them? Are they going to be convinced? What would they do differently? If you believe their criticisms, how would you change your approach? You know, try to, you know, adopt the criticisms in a way to just make your uh, approach the best you can. In the end, you need to be able to show your work. And it's not enough at your, you know, dissertation defense to just proclaim, declare, this is the case, I, you know, we should all do this or whatever. You need to show how you got there. And we all need to be convinced that, uh, you know, there was a good problem to begin with. Um, you understood what was known, what wasn't known. And um, you got us to a place where uh, now we know something we didn't. And, and we, we, we feel compelled to believe this, and it's a trustworthy thing. The methods need to be trustworthy and reliable and um, have your audience in mind when you're creating them. Because ultimately, I mean, you need to be able to demonstrate what you've done to others. It's not, not, enough, not enough just for you to come around to think something different. Um, one way to think about uh, creating a method is uh, you're, you're, creating a, you're creating a tool. You're creating a key. Uh, you know from the problem stage, you know about like what the missing piece kind of looks like. You have to try to design a new piece that would fit there. And your method is that design process. You know, like, what is it that you uh, need to do to bridge that, to bridge the gap, to, you know, uh, to create something new there? Um, uh, let's see. So I'll just give you some examples um, uh, from myself and... Um, from when I was working on my dissertation, I think it was it was kind of a complex process, and I think it really illustrates how there's a lot of uncertainty when you're doing your methods, you're walking through the methods. When, in my case, I, there was something that, um, you know, I got a lot of ideas from other places, and I had to combine them in a new way. And uh, I did what I can now look back and say was a sequential mixed methods um, approach and I use what I now call historical case study which is kind of a mix between a history and a case study and I'll, I'll kind of talk about that but um, at the beginning um, you know I didn't really know all this stuff that I know now about how there's like different types of knowledge that they need to be 
done in succession and you know uh you know the method as kind of like a trial and error process as being uncertain i had to kind of like work that out so i knew i wanted to study the public sphere i wanted to study it over time but i didn't want it to just be like a description a narrative i wanted there to be some kind of like thesis that i developed in the end something more than just a narrative describing what happened about this regional public library infrastructure that, that I was studying, which is what my case was, was in Pittsburgh, the regional, you know, public library system, how it got to be the way that it is, how that it changed, how it developed over time. That was my question. I wanted to apply a public sphere perspective to that because I was convinced that uh, the public sphere would be a good um, way to understand how things changed over time and in the end I think uh, I did show that I think I showed that you know the public sphere does exist that it does influence things um, but when I was just starting out I didn't know that I needed to do things a certain way I was just kind of guessing at things um, but I did start out by creating the descriptive knowledge first I really got uh, a lot of materials together uh, from different archives um, Finding archives, is it's just a great example of how you have to kind of uh, guess, hit and guess, like kind of just guess where would you find materials about this thing. That's not something that's like advertised. You have to kind of like look around, like ask people, hey, uh, archivist, hey, do you have any collections about this? Hey, do you have anything in your library about this? Like you don't know. You don't know where that's going to be. If you're like a historical researcher or whatever, and you're doing archival work, that's how you figure stuff out is really just hunting around. And then you kind of imagine what kind of materials would have been produced by, you know, this, these people or this case, this infrastructure, like what would they be? And then uh, if they were around today, where would they be? Where would I find them? Try to hunt them down. Um, same thing with you know different people if you're doing interviews imagining who would have been there at that time who could i ask this question to like who would know you have to kind of be a detective about it um now there are cases where like you already kind of know your method and you know your source material let's say you have a data set already that you want to use Let's say even that you're missing like a research question, a research problem, but you have a method already. You have a source or you have a data set. Um, what could you do? I would say, um, you know, it's okay to go with that as long as you have the other things. If you have the problem laid out, if you have the question laid out, you work backwards from that thing that you've already decided you want, which I think some research happens that way it just happens backward it happens like you get the data set up front um, but it's not going to work if you don't have the research problem a question down so that is the that is the risk that you uh, that you run if you don't have a clear rationale for pursuing that source or that method then it's going to fall apart it's not going to be people won't understand why it's there it's just going to be arbitrary it's going to not have a good 
place and it's not going to really contribute much if there's no reasoning behind it. So all the other stuff has to be there for that to work. Um, uh, one thing you, you want to consider, there's a lot to consider um, when you're choosing a method. You, you definitely want to look at what other people have done uh, when they have created similar um, knowledge to what you want or when they have worked with uh, like a similar case or similar people, similar population. Look to see how they've done things and see where something might fit into, into your study. But there might be cases where you can't work, uh, you know, like inductively, you have to kind of just abductively take a jump, do something new and, and try it out. But again, that's how, that's how it works. It is a trial and error process. It is kind of just guesswork and uh, ruling things out until you get it right. And um, don't, be, don't be afraid of that. Uh, embrace it, try to, you know, this is a chance for you to really explore your creativity how it is that you're going to create new knowledge, you know, use that opportunity. Um, but al also remember to be very uh, detailed and thoughtful um, and documenting all of your decisions, all of your work, because you're going to need to defend it. You're going to need to explain why you did this, how you got here. Um, and Um, some of the other things to consider are you thinking you like working from uh, smaller samples like an n equals one or n equals a few or do you like more surveying like a larger sample or like a population size study to understand things so are you good going from like small to big or from big to small uh, do you, how are you going to determine your sample size, your sample selection, your population? Um, this is a good time for you to reflect on your own, what I guess I would call your own ontology, your own beliefs about what is real and like what is studyable, what exists, what you can measure, what you can actually talk about. That varies from one person to another. I study power. Not everyone believes that power is something that you can study. So that's just an example. But um, uh, okay, so just some some tips for this stage working with methods um, coming to grips with who you are what you believe what you believe is out there what you believe is studyable what do you think can be known I mean basically that's the question is what is it that you can study those are the limits of what it is that you're going to be measuring or studying or uh, you know investigating in your methods um, do you feel more comfortable with a certain type of method? Like you're going to get, you know, experience, I'm sure, in lots of different types. It's best to be comfortable in all sides of it, studying big and small, numbers, not numbers. Um, 
get some experience in statistics, but also get some experience with more qualitative stuff like interviewing or ethnography. Try to um, understand how all of the different methods contribute to our understanding of the world, that it's not really like a fight between one camp and another. It's We need a lot of different perspectives, I think is the best way to think about it. And uh, try to get experience in a lot of stuff, even the stuff that you might be weak in, trying to kind of appreciate uh, how it works and what it contributes, maybe what its limitations are, fine, but you know how all of the different methods from all the different camps all contribute. And try to see like which ones you feel comfortable doing, which ones would you like to carry out. Um, I think we all believe we all put maybe different weights on different types of perspectives, like, you know, what you think about certain people's opinions and their thoughts about things, their interiority, their experiences versus, you know, uh, outward behaviors or, you know, more structural things about society, um, which is another thing you can think about as part of your ontology. Do you believe that certain structures institutions things do they exist can you measure them see them observe them um now i think i think you can i think that's true i think those are part of reality and we can study them and we need to and if we don't it's at our peril i mean i think we need to be more um, admitting and receptive to i think we should err on that side of things rather than be more conservative. Because, it's, I mean, what if there is something to be known that's that could be gained by creating this new construct, this new thing we didn't know was there? Well, what if that does tell us something? I think we need to be like willing to kind of consider that type of thing. And that's something, another opportunity for you in your methods. You could create something new to measure. I mean, that is an opportunity there. Um, And uh, before I conclude this episode, I just wanted to share a final thought. And this is just something that's kind of occurred to me as I've been creating this show, been recording uh, more and more the idea of uh, this shared structure between arguments and stories and music and teaching. It seems to me, you know, this m idea of a movement, a movement from conflict to resolution um i i just uh i just wanted to share this idea uh, is there a shared structure here that if we could understand it uh we could apply it to what we do like our teaching or our uh creating our storytelling that would um allow us to do it better like if we could understand that structure and, and how it works and if people are more receptive to this than something else I mean it would be great if we knew that so I was just wondering if that if anyone had any thoughts on that I am um, happy to hear it. but anyway that concludes this episode thank you so much for listening